The Late Morning Program with Nam Ras Podcast. Hare Krishna, everyone. You're listening to the number one Hare Krishna podcast in the world uh, with your host, Nam Ras. I'm here with Lalita Madhava Prabhu. Lalita Madhava Prabhu, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Nam Ras Ji. Yes. Yes, it's awesome to talk to you. So the reason I brought Lalita Madhava Prabhu on is because he's doing, or he has already done his PhD uh, and his PhD thesis at uh, the University of uh, Oxford um, on Bhaktivinoda Thakur. So uh, I just wanted to kind of pick his brain regarding the whole thing because it's fascinating for us devotees who are uh, followers of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. It's 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 really fascinating when someone does like a real deep academic study on 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 uh, any acharya and kind of really gets some more information that'd be really interesting to uh, share with our listeners. So maybe we could start out, uh, Prabhu, with. Um, Maybe a little bit your background, because I like to make the late morning program a little bit personal, kind of, uh, and and get the background of the person before we get into the topic. So, tell us like kind of where you grew up and how that was. Ah, okay. So to begin from the beginning, I guess um, I was born in Singapore. Oh, um, cool. My my mom's actually English, though. Um, uh, she found herself in Singapore at some time in the late seventies, um, and uh, got married with a uh, Singapore Chinese man, my father. Um, so my mom's background actually is she's a Srila Prabhupada disciple. Um, uh, she oh, wow. joined uh, around 1971 um, in London, a very place. Um, and uh, uh, she, you know, w- along with my two older sisters and my brother, we were raised, I guess, by the time she was in Singapore, it, you know, uh, her, uh, you know, by her own admission, she wasn't leading a strict, a strict Krishna conscious life, but it was, it was definitely a, um, a notable feature of our of our upbringing in, in, in terms of it. It was a kind of like um, my mom sort of still carries with her to this day a, a real, how to say, like just simple hearted faith in Srila Prabhupada. He made a deep impression on her, you know. Wow. Um, and so, you know, that was, you know, we would say prayers at night um, uh, and uh, go to the temple once in a while in Singapore. Of course, Singapore is one of the, I, I think, one of only two, I believe, um, places in the world that didn't let Srila Prabhupada enter the country. Really? I didn't yeah, know that. I think, yeah, I think one of the reasons for that was I've been told is that, uh, you know, um, s- s- enthusiastic disciples came to Singapore before Srila Prabhupada was. Coming. Oh, I did hear that. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and there was, you know, um, there's a large Tamil community in Singapore, uh, uh, Hindu Tamil. And, and, um, you know, there's all this preaching against demigod worshippers for the less intelligent, right. etc. So the Hindu community there got together and said, "We this is this is not this is not happening in Singapore." Very and interesting. There are still, of course, devotees in Singapore, and they're kind of you know uh, wonderful devotees as well. But um, so we would go to the temple once in a while. But other than that, it was a you know fairly, uh, yeah, kind of a very sort of a, a light, enthusiastic, you know, Krishna conscious background. Um, that's instilled in me, I guess you could say, kind of enthusiasm, so, you know, and curiosity. It wasn't in any way for, you know, forced or anything. It was, uh, it was, sure. it was uh, very light. So, um, so I was there till 
about 11 years old and then we came to England, uh, moved to England and I ended up in boarding school in Oxford and then in Shropshire um, and all of that. And then what happened was at 18, much to my uh, resistance, yeah, uh, yeah, there was a great resistance to it, but I ended up having to go back to Singapore for um, my national service for uh, two and a half years it is over there in the army. Oh, you know? really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, it, it's like uh, kind of like Israel, like you have to, whoever is a part of the, who is an, whoever's a citizen, you have to do some uh, service. Exactly. It's exactly like that, actually. Um, and uh, uh, Singapore is actually trained, the Singapore army was trained by the Israeli army, you know, and kind of oh. similar mentality right. in terms of, you know, it's a small, tiny little country, it feels, in the midst of potential aggressors. Right. You know, it's a you know fairly successful place, and so it's got a lot to guard. Um, and so they're very strict about people going back to serve their country to do their time. And I really didn't want to, didn't want to go back, and I really resisted it. And I was in a bit of denial um, about the fact that I was going to have to go back. But in the end, sort of you know screaming and kicking and even a bit of crying, I ended up having to go back to Singapore and enter the. You know, there were even plans on the first day of getting into the uh, basic um, uh, training course, military training course, which is the first three months of it, calling my mom up and saying, get me on one of these boats. I wanna, <laughs> wanna escape, it's on a little island. I wanna, on a fishing boat, I'm gonna, I'm gonna escape for something. <laughs> but but um, it ended up being a great blessing for me. It was, you know, it was, you know like um, kind of being taken out of the scene in England. You know, I would have probably ended up at university and, yeah, I mean, I would have ended up at university for sure, but not necessarily taking it very seriously and getting involved in who knows what, um, yeah. you know, because I've got slight hedonistic tendencies. Coolie <laughs> 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 style, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but uh, it was, yeah, I just uh, sort of intuitively, very deeply, was when I first arrived back in Singapore for the service, my sister was living there at the time and she brought me to one or two devotee programs there and you know for, for there was a couple of weeks before I started the uh, uh, you know the whole sort of you know two years or two and a half year stint um, and uh, I just knew intuitively okay pack my bags you know for the training and I put in my big bag which I hadn't really I had never really chanted regularly up until then you know here and there right. spits and spats um, and at Isho Upanishad because we had lots of books at home in Singapore um, which I you know I'd sort of you know, tried to read the Bhagavad Gita a couple of times, but always got, you know, stuck at the first chapter, essentially. <laughs> you know, all the, just all the names are just, you know, utterly bewildering up until that point. I would just put it down. Okay. But, but, but um, that was when, okay, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to take this seriously now. And uh, that, 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 those, those, those two, well, it ended up being two years and then I disrupted and, and whatever. But, 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 but those two years um, kind of, yeah, I, 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 I that that was really the beginning of me owning my spiritual life, you know. Um, and and uh, yeah, there, there wasn't anything else to do. Essentially, it was really right. it was really boring and terrible. So 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 you know you so, so kind of how yeah so kind of how I know you is um, a number of years ago uh, some devotees because the opening of the Sri Chaitanya Saraswat Mutt in in London yeah yeah, yeah. in London near Heathrow yeah. So, exactly. I came with my father-in-law because he was invited. And so I think I might have met you or met your brother. Yeah, I met you there for sure. I remember having lunch with you there. 
Okay, yeah. So yeah. I met you there, and then so how? So tell us how you got in, like, uh, in touch with that uh, that institution. Yeah, okay, so towards the end of my time in Singapore, um, I made a trip. Well, actually, sorry. For, for, um, first of all, the beginning of it, I guess you could say, was there was a, a friend of my sister had left a book at our house. Um, up until that point, I'd been reading all of Srila Prabhupada's books, the, you know, Bhagavatam, all the, you know, et cetera, et cetera. The, um, uh, but a book by someone I had never heard of or seen before called um, Follow the Angels by Srila Sridhar Maharaj. Right. And I, you know, I tried to read it. It was a totally different style, <laughs> it's a totally different style. And, uh, but very, I felt very, very charming, very poetic, but yeah, it didn't quite. I didn't. I, I didn't. I didn't quite grasp it at that. I mean, I still haven't quite grasped it. This, but 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 um, you know, it was a little bit above my head. Um, however, I met a um a devotee on the street there one day from Colombia. We made friends, and he ended up bringing me to um towards the end of my army time to Navadip to the Chaitanya Saraswat Mot there, and that's the first time I met who you know who would become my uh, my guru Dev uh, Sri Govinda Maharaj. Wow. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a Another year before I, you know, it was, that was in the midst of the Gore Purnima celebrations and there were a lot of devotees and, all, you know, and I, I find those situations sometimes a bit bewildering when there's too many things going on and, you know, trying to in a place for the first time. And I really sort of just observed, essentially, you know, I, I, I observed, but uh, I bought a whole load of books and and, uh, and uh, came back and was, yeah, and I ended up reading a lot of uh, Srila Sridhar Maharaj um, at the time. And then I... Uh, came to England and started university in 2003 um, and, uh, you know, hooked up with um, some of the devotees of the Chaitanya Saraswamat while I was here. Um, you know, still not sure who I was going to be aligning myself with. You know, it was I was kind of exploring, going to various places. And I ended up going to India 2004 that summer. That was quite key. Um, at first, um, I was in a, um, I was stayed in an ashram uh, at the, um, place of the Dandabanga pastimes, you know, the breaking of the staff of oh. uh, uh, a, a disciple of uh, uh, Govinda Maharaj, Sachi Nandan Prabhu had started an ashram there, a beautiful, but it was, you know, very sort of idyllic, no no running water, no electricity, you know, kind of really quite quite a mystic. I'd stayed a, stayed a month there, ended up um, also, um, I think it was Purushottam Mas that year, I ended up with the Narayan Maharaj people as well uh, in Puri, for a while because you know Dandabanga is fairly close to Puri so with them for 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 a few weeks and then ended up going to the Chaitanya Saraswat Mat in Navadip um well first Calcutta to ask permission to go to Navadip from Govinda Maharaj and then and then ended up in Navadip and was given the service of uh uh listening to or listening and editing out kind of like you know extraneous noises of the audio recordings of Srila Govinda Maharaj oh, wow. and uh, it was uh, upon listening to him talk about the passing of uh, Srila Haridas Thakur, his explanation of that. And, it, you know, there was, it's, it, it, uh, yeah, something about that just really moved me. He said, just to, you know, recap very quickly, he said, uh, you know, th this is the the greatest proof that that Mahaprabhu is God, is, is, is Krishna himself. And that Haridas Thakur, you know, his whole life, he's chanting, is it, th you know, th three lakh naam every, yeah. every day. But at the time of his departure, he chants Sri Krishna Chaitanya, 
beautiful what was your what was your relationship like with Sheila Govindamaraj you were you like you had a lot of interaction because I know he left this world uh in late 2000s or 2010 he, he, oh, 2010. he yeah. yeah yeah um he departed in 2010 um well I I was so by the time I had come to the Mott um you know it was a there was a fairly large following Right, and uh, I was kind of in the sort of anti Lila, so to speak. Right. You know, it was uh, um, so. Yeah, I was. I was on the. I was on the margins. I was. You, you know, um, really. Um, I, at the same time, you know, like it was wonderful to be in his presence. But I was a. I was a shy, shy boy. I'm still a shy boy, but you know, at times. But but. Uh, yeah, quiet and you know, kind of with with much trepidation, putting myself before him and all of that. But he was very. You know, if I, I wish I'd been a bit bolder, really, because he was a very um, super affectionate person, right. you know, very informal. It was a, it was a really like a very much a, um, a family vibe there in his veranda. You know, it was, mm. uh, but it was yeah, it was just I think I was daunted by the crowd. You know, I was, there was all the yeah people being around for a long time, so it's so it's all of that. But but um, uh, my connection really was formed in London with the devotees there. Um, right. You know, and uh, and by the in the you know f final parts of um, you know the final year really of um, uh, Guru Dave's uh, uh, life, um, I got quite involved in you know that temple that you came to see the opening of. That was you know was uh, we've been trying to acquire a place for a long time for you know about fifty years. Uh, Guru Dave said it was his last headache. You know, so you know you know so, so in the end I found myself intensely involved in that um, and. Uh, and that was, yeah, it was a quite a mystical, tragic and mystical and happy thing all at the same time in that we we, we ended up getting the place or, you know, I, I signed the, the deal for it that 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 day and uh, didn't even have time to tell Gurudev because he had, he he departed that evening. <laughs> it's like, without, wait, 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 hold on a second. What? He, yeah. the, when you closed on the... Yeah, you closed, closed the deal, closed on the deal, <laughs> you know, it was... Uh, um, and uh, then got a call that evening uh, from someone called Yasi Maharaj, and he said, Gurudev has departed." It was yeah, really like ah, you know, I mean, it was all kinds of things, wow. all kinds of things. But it, but it was mystical, very very mystical. Yeah. You know, it was, uh, it was, that was an interesting that was an interesting moment. Um, wow. Yeah. But so that's kind of my connection with the Chaitanya Saraswat Mud. It's been kind of been my my spiritual home, and that that was also at that point. Then that was another you know, I ended up starting my PhD just a few months later. You know, and uh, kind of, in a sense, kind of withdrew from intense mission life. At that point, it was right. I've been again on the fringes of my own community for the past decade now, I guess you could say. But I still love all the devotees and have much affection sure. for their, you know, sure. for I've been doing doing my academic thing really for a while. Now. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so when you started your academic like career, did you know that you wanted to do a PhD and did you know you wanted to do it in Bhaktivinoda Thakur? No, not at all. I started doing it in, um, in philosophy. Okay. I was in London doing, do, uh, doing philosophy. Um, and, uh, kind of, I had, I didn't think I was ever going to be an academic as, as, as such. I was, I was never like a nerdy person at school, you know, and I, I still not That's really interesting. Like, yeah, I was uh, d definitely not. I was into, you know, the music and sports and, you know, whatever else, you know, <laughs> All yeah, the, you know, yeah. the, the, the fun stuff. Um, but but um, but uh, I did get into that. Gave me the opportunity to to do um, 
uh, an Indian philosophy uh, course um, and also a dissertation on uh, Achintya Beda Bed. Uh, you know, so, so uh, you know. I, I mean, I, uh, to, to you know, um, to go back a little bit. That my so the Oxford Center for Hindu Studies, when the so Shona Karishi Prabhu and there was a lady called Hari at the time who was helping him when they first came to Oxford to look for a place to look for a building, they they were put in touch with my mum. Um, uh, you know, as a as a devotee living in the Oxford area. At the oh, time. I see. Right. I knew about the Oxford Center for Hindu Studies. Um, since I, you know, since since the beginning, and I, I used to look at them there. The you know the scholars in the center doing like you can do a PhD on Jiva Goswami that was at the time Radhika Raman Prabhu. Oh, know. I see. Yeah. Right, right. Well, that's that's crazy. So there was like a little, you know, interest, a little bit of interest, little interest, you know. But I was I was in London doing philosophy. It seemed really far off, um, and then I ended up um, transitioning to the study of religion, which doesn't sound like. A big, a big move, you know, to people outside of those domains. But, but, but uh, conceptually, it was a little bit difficult to sort of, for me at least, to make that. You know, you've been dealing in the in the realm of pure ideas, you know, mm. kind of, you know, like, um, and, and then suddenly finding myself doing religious history, um, which was uh, much more messy. You know, it's a, it's a, you know, there's no, there's no, I don't know, like black or white there. It's all, it's all, it's all a bit. Uh, Mm. Yeah, you know, hi history is a messy thing. So, so, so I ended up doing my masters at the School of Oriental and African Studies next door to the University College London, where I did my undergrad, um, and did uh, and ended up doing more Gaudiya stuff there. Um, for you know, um, for, I wrote a dissertation on uh, the relationship between the Madhvas and the Gaudias. Oh wow! On a Chintya Beda Beda at the time. So, so um, uh, yeah. So, what was the that. hold on? That really interests me. What's the premise there? Uh, between for for that dissertation, but the relationship between Madhvas and Godias, uh, of my dissertation, of my dissertation. yeah, what like what was like the main point? Yeah, I was trying to establish the so some see it as a sort of purely a formal connection, you know, um, or if there is any connection at all, you know, some 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 dispute that there is any connection, and it's really just for convenience in the you know the in, in the early eighteenth century. Uh, when Baladeva de Gushan sort of um, establishes that, but but uh, I was trying to I was trying to establish in that context um, that there is a more substantive relationship. You know, um, I mean, at the time there was uh, a devotee called Krishna Sharana or Kiyo Kazuokita writing his doctoral dissertation on that subject, and he's you know he's he, his work infinitely surpasses my own in that area so if you want to you know explore that i would i would i would wow. uh, direct you to his book he's done an amazing book there it's kind of you know the definitive piece i sure. think on, on, sure. on that. yeah and then and then when you so you got your masters first and then yeah. you decided to do phd decided to do um uh, yeah i decided to do well actually in between that i had to go back to singapore for another 6 months in the army <laughs> you know, Wait, so I, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah another six. Because I, I, I ended up you, over there. You can do a disruption. You take oh, after two years, you can study. You know, and then you can come back and do the remaining six months. Right. So, um, I mean, in the meantime, they had actually abolished that extra six months that people have to do. But I ended up. It wasn't retroactive, so I, had to, I was, I was there doing it anyways. Um, uh, and I was, so I was there. Um, and uh, yeah, it was at that time I thought, okay, yeah, I might, I might give. I got a good grade for my masters, and I thought, I think I'm not, I'm not done with this. I want to continue studying Gaudiya stuff. You know, I'm not really cut out for temple life as such. 
you know, mm. I, I, I love it. I love being in temples, you know, but like, but this is a way I think to, to, you know, to keep, to keep engaged with the tradition. According to your you know? propensity. According to my propensity, for sure, you know, definitely. Yeah. It's a kind of, disc academia is a kind of discourse. It's definitely not, you know, it's, it's testing, you know, it's, it's not, it's not devotional as such at all, you know, it's, you know, but I like the challenge of it. I yeah. think it's important that devotees go into that realm because there should be devotees everywhere kind of like in their hands or not one person, but like different devotees in different places just to be able to have some representation in the academic community. I know there's a lot of devotees who are studying various things and PhDs and whatnot. I think it's, I think it's an important thing. I think Prabhupada, I think he, he told some devotees to go to university and, uh, you know, I guess do their preaching or do their sharing, whatever you want to call it in, in that yeah. field. Yeah. 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 I, I think it's, um, it's, it's important. It's maybe the sign of like a, a maturing tradition as well that you have, right. You know, kind of, yeah, it's sort of, this is a, a longer term project really, isn't it? It's embedding yourself in culture as well. You know, you're, you're, right. you're you know, and, and to have devotees, um, in positions, you know, as lecturers, as professors, fully trained academics, essentially supervising and and, and shaping the study of, you know, of, of right. Gaudiya Vaishnavism and Hinduism more broadly. I think is, you know, it's uh, if if we don't do it, others are going to do it. And you know, uh, I think it's important to have our voice yeah. in that domain. It's an important because these things it might seem obscure, right? The realm of academia. It's like who's, but these things do trickle down, you know, and they shape conceptions about whatever you know but, uh, so so i think there's definitely a a place for it and for sure you know yeah, yeah. Do, is your goal kind of to become a professor i'm at a bit of a crossroads at the moment i've got so i've got you know i've uh, completed the the doctorate and i've got all this work here at the moment with the center i've got the plans to you know to turn the thesis into a book and i've got these other research projects going on and i'm involved there uh but I've also got, you know, sort of, yeah, like I'm all, I, I'm not, my dad's, a, I've got businessman roots in my genes as well. You know, I mean, oh, really? I'm not a businessman, but, you know, like, like there's to do things in the world. Entrepreneurship. Yeah, maybe that, I don't know, maybe I'm totally deluded, but, you know, there, there's those kinds of, you know, I, I, I do, that comes also perhaps more naturally to me than academia does. Oh, Being, interesting. Uh, creating stuff, you know, do, doing, um, I've been, Fighting it for a long time, but turning forty, you know, soon and realizing, oh, that you know, <laughs> maybe this is a, this is um, actually, uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, I, actually on the, I, I just wanted to mention briefly. I mentioned my mom, my yeah. dad. Yeah. Uh, he's he's not a devotee as such, and you know has had um, kind of interesting relationships with the devotees. But but there was a guy I stumbled across randomly. Heard a bit of a like a snippet of a show that you did a while back with um one devotee who was talking about, I think, being away out of the movement for a while, and then he came yes. back. But his, Govardhan his Das, yeah, he left for 10 years. And was his dad involved in Singapore doing printing of books with Hansa Dutta? There, 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 was some, there was someone on the show talking about that. There, there was, oh, really? uh, yeah, yeah, but I, I was, there was, yeah, I forget, his, I forget his name now. But I was just gonna say that they, they, they would have been printing my, at my dad's or my grandfather's printing, a printing company because uh, my dad ended up printing the 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 um the the you know that black Bhagavatam set 
Yeah, the black box. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know the first one. Yeah, that was printed by my dad back in the day in the, the early eighties. But by Hansa Dutta. The, the funny story there is that Hansa Dutta Swami at the time was, you know, sort of rep, you know representing himself as a as a, as you know as representative of the BBT. Right. That when when it came to invoicing the BBT, the BBT said, "Oh no, he's not actually a representative." So it, it ended up being. My, yeah, 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 about yeah. Like it was a, it's a funny, funny, funny turn of events. That. But, so your dad was your dad was a part of the printing. He had a printing company. Yeah, printing company, and essentially, you know, through no choice of his own, it was a bit of an embarrassment. But ended up donating all those Bhagavatams to, to, to the world oh because Hansadusa never paid. It was about a million dollars. <laughs> the whole company. Was, <laughs> a million, a million dollars. <laughs> Yeah, million bucks. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Anyhow, anyhow, that's a sorry, that's a that's a side side point. I love I love that's that history. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um so so tell us a little bit about when it started that you decided Octim Notaku is something I'd love to do my dissertation on like hundreds of pages of writing and thought and you know yeah, all yeah. kinds of things. Sure. Um okay, so I I would say when I was doing my undergraduate thing, I came across at the Soho Street Temple, their bookshop there, there's a book by Shukovak Das called The Hindu Encounter with Modernity or Hindu Encounter with Modernity. Um, uh, it was all about Bhakti. It was that, that's the first major piece of scholarship that was written about Srila Bhakti Vinod Thakur in the English uh, language, academic work at least. Um, and I read that and sort of devoured it as such. I found it super inspiring. And it really, I didn't think at the time about writing on Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, but that provided me with a framework by which I could navigate academia. You know, I mean, his whole treatment of what Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur is doing in, you know, his Krishna, in, in, in a, at least, you know, the, the, the analysis was rooted in his Krishna Samhita at first, um, an early text by Bhaktivinoda Thakur. But what, you know, how Shukovak was explaining what Bhaktivinoda Thakur was doing there in that sort of, you know, uh, uh, sort of finding place for reason within the tradition, you know, and at the same time safeguarding the realm of faith, the transcendent nature of Krishna, you know, mm. but, but, but yet making room for, the, you know, the critical application of reason in certain domains, in the phenomenal domain, you know, um, I found that really inspiring and I got that, 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 that allowed me to navigate the academic realm as such. And that, you know, I, you know, your belief in a blue cowherd God you know, is, is, you know, is kind of, I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's you know, to, 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 to sort of hold on to that in the context of like the jungle of philosophies that we get encountered, you know, that, that, that yeah, that we encounter in the context of the academy. Um, so yeah. that book, that book kind of like changed your mind and kind of not changed your mind, but inspired you to, to do this. Uh, it, that, it definitely shaped me. But then what happened was when I was thinking to do a PhD, I approached Shona Karishi at the Oxford Center for Hindu Studies. Yeah. Um, and at the time he was, very encouraging of me doing something. And he steered me in the direction of uh, doing something on Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur. You know, he's, he's, he's been in, in, at the OCHS, he's been shaping a sort of Gaudiya studies program implicitly for, you know, oh, cool. quite a few years now, you know, with people working on different, on different figures, different texts, different themes. Um, and he felt that Bhaktivinoda 
Thakur was someone that an important figure that we needed to, that someone needed to study. Um, and so, you know, when he proposed that, I went away and thought, yeah, no problem. I thought that would be amazing to, you know, to 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 uh, to to do that and honor um, a great honor. And I got excited about it and uh, wrote a proposal. Oxford accepted it, and uh, and I began as it also so happened at the time, I was very, very fortunate in that um, uh, Ferdinando Sardella and Abhishek Ghosh, or Krishna Abhishek and Pranava, right. um, uh, both academics, and uh, uh, Pranava was doing his thesis on Srilabhakti Siddhanta Saraswati, and um, uh, Abhishek at the time was doing it on Prabhupada, Saraswati, Thakur, and Bhaktivinoda, and ended up shifting just to Bhaktivinoda. But they had... Um, along with a few others, I don't know all the details of the history there, but um, uh, come into th this gold mine uh, of an archive um, through the descendants of one of the great scholars of the Gaudiya Mutt, Sundarananda Bibbibinod. So some of his descendants had essentially what happened when the Gaudiya Mutt split up, broke up, you know, um, in the, would have been in the 40s this happened. Um, Sundarananda Bidivinod, who was like the editor of the Gaudiya and, you know, like a key person, in, you know, uh, producing all the works of the Mott, he took the library of, the personal library of Saraswati Thakur and fled in the end to Dhaka, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and I believe there it remained for a good number of decades. Um, but then his, his uh, somehow or other, Pranava Prabhu, and then Krishna Abhishek, and I, I mean, I don't know the whole history there, they'll, you know, they can correct me later. Um, uh, they had been offered it in some way, and they, <laughs> you know, and-, and, and that, that you can have this library? Yeah, that someone needs to take care of it. The, the family right. of Sundarananda, there was thousands of volumes there, but it was a treasure trove. So uh, of, of, you know, Gaudiya material relating specifically to the project I was about to undertake. You know, so it's really by their grace and others involved, Harisawi Prabhu um, ended up sort of managing that project. Um, but but uh, I began my PhD just as that was really taking shape in the early days of what became the Bhaktivedanta Research Center. Oh, yes, um, I've been there. In Kolkata. So you see, you know, yeah. first, yeah. first editions of a whole you know, spectrum of Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur and Saraswati, you know, unpublished material, you know, the, the, the second unpublished part of the Saraswati Jayashri on, on uh, Bhakti Siddhanta, the personal journal of Srila Saraswati Thakur, you know, you know, like uh, uh, just, you know, manuscripts, unpublished works of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. It was, it was, it was, it was quite, uh, wow. quite incredible really, you know, so, so, so um, the first opportunity I got, I made, a trip there naturally to, to, to yeah. you know um and uh yeah i began to think about how, how you know what i was going to do of course it's also i mean to be encountered with that sort of like wealth of material is very bewildering you know what i mean like my, my at the time and still but but you know a bit better now but my you know my my bungler skills were really just you know, taking shape, you know, I had a bit of a Sanskrit background, but, but you know, and to, but, but, but to, so, you know, I had to work pretty hard to, to, to sort of like um, get up to speed a little bit, but still very, like what I was gonna, what, you know, okay, so you have the, the, the broad topic, Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur. I mean, uh, my colleague, Gopinath Acharya Prabhu, or Rembert Lutjahams, who's um, a great scholar at the OCHS and did his work on Kavi Karnapur, he asked me recently, what would you have done differently? Uh, sorry, I'm hearing echo. Sorry. <laughs> um, um, uh, would you have done the same project again? 
you know, now with the knowledge that you've got about how it went. And I, I said, ah, it's a difficult one. Probably what made my project difficult was, you know, you've got a personality, but like, how do you turn that into an argument? You know, a, a thesis is meant to be an, you know, an angle on something. Right, right. You know? And I think it would have been easier to have begun with an issue, to be, you know, to have begun with a question, you know, on, mm. on, on something or other. And that would have been at least a quicker PhD because I ended up taking a long time for my PhD. Like, you know, longer than it was meant to be. Uh, long, longer than it was meant to be. But, you know, I was doing other things. I think life happens as well, you know, and it, it takes however long it takes. And, you know, right. but, but um, that's a good segue into, into what, what did you end up making the, the argument? Yeah. So the argument essentially was I, I turned the observation itself into the argument in, in, in essence, in that there's just so much of Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, so much and so much diversity, you know what I mean? And so I ended up, I, I felt that, you know, there's been quite, since Shukovak wrote, um, wrote his book, there's been quite a, not loads, but like a number of, you know, substantive monographs on Bhakti, PhDs, there was Jason Fuller's, Varuni, there's existing body of scholarship that I came to and I, I read and I, you know, and uh, obviously was dependent on and, you know, that really allowed me to do my work. But at the same time, what I, what I noticed was um, there was a fairly kind of like limited selection of texts and a kind of quite a static image of Bhaktivinoda, you know, people kept turn, turning back to the same texts and they happened to be early texts a lot of the time. So something like his Bhagavat speech, which he writes in 1869, you know, and really is kind of like his first public break, you know, uh, uh, you know publicly aligning himself with the, with the Godi, you know, with the cause of Mahaprabhu. Uh, that, uh, that, that had really served what I felt kind of a quite inordinate, role in, in, in the context of Bhakti, you know, in, the, in, in scholarship on Bhakti Vinodakur, um, you know, to take something that someone had written right at the beginning of their, of their, of their you know, Vaishnav conversion, so to speak, um, and use that to characterize, you know, them as a whole. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah sorry, am I, am I being, please, uh, you know, like, if oh, I don't no, know, I, I, I get what you're saying. No, no, I get what you're saying. <laughs> so you're saying, you're saying that, that modern devotees have only looked at Bhaktivinoda Thakur's early uh, kind of works and have, have, have kind of given him like a very static um, view, like they kind of expressed him as being very static because they haven't really seen the full breadth of, of you know, his other, his evolution, you could evolution, you could say. Yeah, exactly. Although I, there I'm talking more about scholars. So oh, scholars, a lot okay. of people aren't actually devotees who are right, you know, since Shukavak is a, is a oh, you know, I see. But, but there are others who have taken interest in Bhaktivinoda Thakur since Shukavak that aren't uh, you know, well, at least externally aren't devotees, you know, um, uh, yeah. although very lovely people, I have to say as well, um, right. you know, uh, but, but, but um, uh, that, that, that they had done that. I think as well, that kind of, um, well, and also the other thing that I noticed is that the way that Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur was treated overall was with a real emphasis on the, you know, the, the sort of modernizing, um, westernizing in a sense, you know, that, that, that he, 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 in scholarship, in the existing body of scholarship on Bhaktivinoda Thakur, he comes to be seen as really marking a break 
within the Gaudiya Vaishnava tradition. You know, a break that itself instantiates the effect of colonialism and colonial modernity. Mm. You know, I mean, you have to think that Bengalis in Calcutta was the hub of empire, you know, was the yeah. hub of empire and lots of cultural, you know, interactions, you know, but it also becomes the, um, uh, you know, kind of Bengalis or like the Bengali intelligentsia, you know, educated Bengalis really are kind of the first group in Asia to be, or to, you know, to have their minds transformed by the encounter with Western modes of thinking and, you know, uh, um, so, so Bhaktivinoda Thakur in scholarship came to be seen as, or represented as instantiating colonialism's rupture within Hinduism or broadly Gaudiya Vaishnavism more specifically, you know? So, so you have terms like neo-Vaishnav, which, you know, which doesn't just mean, doesn't just mean, you know, historically more recent, but also means that neo, that prefix neo indicates also a kind of, you know, there's something structurally different here. Mm. Something's happened, you know? Um, uh, and uh, I mean, interestingly as well, I, I, it's talking about going back to what goes on in devotional circles, the scholarship uh, on Bhaktivinoda Thakur, I think is also implicitly fed off internal narratives about, you know, institutional narratives about Bhaktivinoda Thakur that read him completely in isolation from anything else that's going on in the Vaishnav scene in 19th century Bengal. There's, there's more or less a narrative that like, it just, you know, there's, it's a Vaishnav vacuum. There's, there's, there, there, there's only, you know, like Sahajiyas and, you know, fallen people and, you know, there, there, no inch, but, you know, I mean, the, no doubt, Sahajiyas are there, and those some of those observations are, 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 are but, but um, uh, what what I came to see was that there is there's a rich pre you know Vaishnav world in that context, and a lot of Vaishnav activity. But but I think scholarship, academic scholarship, it kind of fed off these insider narratives, institutional narratives that sort of present Bhaktivinoda Thakur as like this lone ranger almost yeah, that's <laughs> how i that's how yeah, i in the darkness of you know there's like nothing going on uh, uh um you know so, so those two things have in maybe inadvertently or the scholarship has inadvertently fed off those things but and has led to this notion of rupture you know a kind of rupture within the uh within the Gaudiya Vaishnav world rupture like radical discontinuity you know so uh, my work ended up being trying to problematize that narrative i felt that it didn't quite fit certain things didn't didn't fit really um uh, you know in terms of what i was encountering um uh, and uh wh where i found um so and this again th th this ties in with uh the whole notion of his you know the the great variety of his thought and the you know the sort of trajectory that Srila Bhaktivinoda um undergoes um and that i i saw that as I wanted to read that in relation to what was going on on the ground in terms of his devotional life, you know, um, and and I and so 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 I uh, sort of paid attention to the transitions in Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur's works, you know, um, and reading them in relation to what I called his micro context or his you know his his devotional life world. Um, Right. So, yeah, I want, to, I want to ask you a little bit about because I remember I asked you before we when we were just talking. I said, yeah. 
Bucky and Otaku being a Nitya Siddha, yeah. as we are taught, that how can he have, I mean, this was a clickbait kind of title oh, that we, yeah, that we sure. put, like tra yeah. the transformation of Bhakti and Vitakra. Actually, so how do you explain someone who's a Nitya but who has this kind of like transformation? Like, you know, I heard in his biography, he writes about that he used to eat meat and stuff. Yeah, exactly. In his Sholakita Jibani, Right. No one really talks about that that biography. Like I've, that's the first time I ever heard it because someone knew that I was you're going to do this interview, and they said, "Have you ever heard of this biography?" And I was like, "No, I never heard of it." Like, yeah. and they say different things. So let's let's talk a little bit about that. So with Bhaktivinoda Thakur, you have this amazing, like, I mean, I think it is quite is very novel in a sense in that it's really perhaps one of the first Gaudiya figures. You know, that, I mean, like if you're talking about Srila Rupa Goswami, for instance, or you know, those of the past of the you know of you know the 16th, 17th centuries. You know, there are the there are the there are the um, biographies. You know, such as you know all the Prem Bilas and Naratam Bilas and all these. But but like, you know, to to get sort of real insight into what was going on in their lives. I mean, we have their texts, but you know they don't leave autobiographies as such. Srila Bhaktivedanta Thakur left, you know, a fairly substantial autobiography you know, um, detailing many of the things in his life up until 1896. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I think that, 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 that must be a first for a, for a Godia, you know, Godia figure um, to have that much, to have that much insight into what they were doing on the ground, right. you know, so to speak. Um, that text, Sholakita Jibani, which was written in the form of a letter to his 10th son and disciple, uh, Lalit Prashad. Oh, right. uh, uh, that that was published in in uh, I think it was first published in 1916. Um, but it it doesn't really gain prominence in the context of the of the uh, of the Mott, you know, and the institutional. I mean, I think some of the scholars writing on Bhaktivinoda Thakur, like Sundarananda Bidhivinod undoubtedly drew on that text. There's no, there's, there's no way that that text didn't inform the institutional biographies of Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur coming from the Gaudiya Mutt, and which obviously have then shaped the way that um, ISKCON, you know, things like the Seventh Goswami, for instance. Right. You know, and, 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 and You're the, saying biography as in like institutional biography as in like actual written biographies? Yeah, exactly. About Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so, so that Sholakita Jubani, it doesn't feature so much, it doesn't come to prominence either in the Gaudiya Mat and by extension then uh, ISKCON. Um, I think because of, it really draws it, I mean, Bhaktivinoda Thakur is drawing attention to the, or is revealing the very kind of, you know, quote unquote, human dimensions of his life. You know, mm. he's, uh, you know he's, um, he's not presenting himself as like a self-realized person, you know. Um, but then again, he doesn't do that in his devotional poetry either. There is also autobiography in his, in, his, in his, I don't think his songs are just, just tropes, you know, for the purpose of like, you know, the, oh, the, the neophytes. I think they're also sincere expressions of Bhaktivinoda Thakur's heart. I would like, I read them in that way at least, you know, um, right. and that aligns with the way in a more prosaic form he's writing about his life in the context of his autobiography. But things like, as you just drew attention to, you know, his eating of meat, he's born in a Shakta family, you know, his, uh, his maternal grandfather was a prominent Shakta Zamandar in the context of his village, uh, Birnagar or Ula. Um, and, 
you know, he, you know, in his youth, he, I mean, first of all, he experienced an, ah, just an inconceivable amount of tragedy. You know, the, the, the village in which he grew up, it was hit by waves of, you know, repeated waves of the cholera epidemic. You know, where like many members of his family died. His father had died by the time he was around 12, 11, 12, 13. You know, so he was like really like the man of the household by the time he was, a, you know, then he was sent to sent to Calcutta um, to go to school, the, you know, the great Hindu college um, in, in, in Calcutta where, you know, he's, you know, schmoozing with many of the sort of rising stars of the day. You know, people like uh, Keshav Chandra Shane and, you know, the Tagore family, you know, and, and then associates with Christians and Brahmos and maybe a lot of those people, some of these things people know, I'm sure. Um, but, but um, uh, you know, he, he talks about, yeah, like, you know, he, his, 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 his meet, he, he reveals in his autobiography his, that he doesn't, he, at least he writes, he doesn't, you know, it was at the time of my initiation that I gave up the sin of eating meat or eating goat <laughs> you know that, that was that's like a you know when we you know if we have a very sort of stereotyped notion of what a quote unquote nitya siddha is right. that's like you know it's they're very difficult to process those sorts of things you know so as a result um uh maybe for the i don't know this simple hearted or you know that 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 was sort of marginalized that text was was marginalized um i i, I think actually you know, maybe sort of regrettably, really, because, um, you know, I, I mean, are we not able to as, do we not have the resources to accommodate that theologically? You know, that, you know, you know that, 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 you know, that someone can both be a nittisiddha and, you know, have the, I mean, for instance, Arjuna in the Bhagavad Gita. No, there's the, there's the whole experience of confusion and bewilderment. Yeah. Mahaprabhu himself, undergoes a trajectory, you know, from a from you know from a somewhat sort of audacious scholar in his youth to a intense Krishna Bhakta later, even you know, in, even in God himself. Right. You know, yeah. there, there's a trajectory that, you know, there's a transition, you know. So in the context of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, I mean there's an evident transition. You know, my thesis is in no way seeking to um, you know challenge you know, is Bhaktivinoda Thakur and Nitya Siddha? I mean, that that's a, I kind of almost, I mean, in the context of scholarship, I don't think there's any way you can challenge it or disprove it. That's like, I, that's not really a question for the domain of scholarship. Right. It's the empirical domain. You know, we do a certain kind of work which can be interesting and inform, you know, kind of an interesting thing for faith to engage with, but it doesn't determine faith. You know, I mean, no, you know, no, no, it's like it's not a necessary thing for faith at all. But some people have the predisposition to to do kind of more intellectual work, right? And so, uh, you know, um, so I bracket that in the context of my thesis, whether he's that question, it just doesn't fit. Is he a nitisiddha or not? I have my own faith position on that. You know, I think it. I think you know. I I, I think what it does potentially do it it might provoke um and not that this is even intentional but like you know a, a kind of two-dimensional understanding of what a, a sort of cardboard cutout of a you know a, a devotee that falls from the spiritual world you know falls or descends from the <laughs> spiritual world you know and and floats above you know the the, the you know the unt untainted by the material domain etc you, you, you know I, mm. I mean when we read his his autobiography we get a real sense of like someone who was you know struggling with work i mean he was i i think actually it's to to to, to witness 
what's going on in Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur's life, you know, to see these things that he was contending with, with death, with illness, with like being moved around in his employment posts, you know, in, in, interminably, just kind of like nonstop kind of, you know, with all his, and 14 children he had, you know, for 14 kids and all of them. Can you imagine 14 kids? I know, you know, you got two and I got one and it's, it's uh, you know, 14 children working as a, de you know, climbing his way up, you know, the, 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 the um, Indian civil, you know, in the uh, Indian civil service in the post of uh, eventually um, deputy magistrate, kind of like a law officer, you know, a judge kind, um, uh, and also revenue collector, you know, all, all these sorts of things in places like, you know, in Orissa and Bengal, you know, to, 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 see, to see all of that, right, to see all of that, and then to, and then to, you know, and his background and his shaktis, and then to see what he ended up doing, I mean, that makes it all the more miraculous, you know I, what I mean, you yeah. know. Yes. I, I don't think in any way that takes anything away from, you know, that he was eating meat. So, you know, like, like I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't have problem accommodating that at least. Right. You know? Yeah. Me neither. But <laughs> it's interesting. And it's interesting to hear the history. And I really like the point you made about how it's interesting. It's good to, to see how the evolution happened. You know, it's, and, and um, something I want to kind of hone in on is that you were saying that the common narrative is that, from what I've always heard that he was this lone ranger, you know? Yeah. So what, what about that is important to mention in regarding like who he was associating with at the time? Yeah. Do you know, well, do you know what I mean? Yeah, for, for, for sure. I mean, there's a whole, so at the center for Hindu studies, we've uh, begun a, Oh, I mean, we haven't begun it. We've, we've been doing for many years now, a project on uh, Bengali Vaishnavism in the modern period, Gaudiya Vaishnavism in the context of modernity, um, and brought together a whole uh, team of scholars who've been working in this area in some capacity. Um, and they've highlighted an array, you know, just as one example, in terms of like Vaishnav journalism, you know, um, so putting out periodicals, you know, so we know about the Shajantoshini, that was Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur's thing. But in addition to that, there was, I think, you know, from about the late 19th century to the early 20th century, there's about 300 plus Vaishnav periodicals, of, you know, in, you know for, running for some amount of time, some longer than others. You wow. know, um, uh, that's just some indication of like intense intellectual activity going on in the 19th century and early 20th century in Bengal, you know, there are there are a lot of people turning either turning to Vaishnavism or have already been Vaishnav and are engaging in that kind of work. It becomes like Vaishnavism really becomes a thing that like Bengalis turn to at a certain point for various reasons. You know, it also has um, as a scholar uh, called Varuni Bhatia has called particular attention to has a lot to do with a growing current of cultural nationalism, you know, this regional identity, you know, what it means to be Bengal in the context of colonialism and colonial subjugation, you know, and an emerging nation, you know, uh, the, 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 wow. the, these sorts of things. So Mahaprabhu, Chaitanya, Dev, and, uh, you know, Vaishnav culture, they're turning to it for that. So there's a lot of scholarly activity, but there are also 
Vaishnavs, you know, like, you know, but, but, but like, like, you know, of kind of a, of a more religious persuasion, like Bhaktivinoda Thakur and many of the people that he was working with and associating with, not least, you know, th there are also in that context pre-existing Vaishnav currents, you know, Goswami, Sripats, you know, we hear it sounds like the caste Goswamis, they're right. the, you know, they're the, whatever, the, 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 but like, we see in that context, they also play a prominent role in Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur and others among is 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 working with certain groups among them, you know. And so we know uh, he takes initiation into the Bhagnapada Shampradai that descends uh, from uh, Bhangshi Badanananda Thakur, you know, through Ramai Goshami, through Janavamatta, Ramachandra Goshami, all, all the way down to Bipimbihari Goshami. And, right, that was his uh, Diksha Guru. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. His Diksha Guru. That's another thing that sometimes, you know, kind of like that's written out of the. You know, right. this is a admittedly a controversial subject, and I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm aware. We, of we don't deal with controversy on the <laughs> show. <laughs> <laughs> <This> is, yeah, <laughs> but, but but um, yeah, he takes initiation from Bipin Bihari Goshami around 1879, 1880. Around I think 1870. I don't know. I, I, sometimes I get the, the bungler and the Christian years a bit mixed up. But but um, around that time and. Uh, um, you know, some some narratives that get told. Oh, this is just a formality, a relationship of convenience. Uh, you know, look at Kesha, you know, Kesha Bharati and Mahaprabhu. These sorts of things, just a pure formality. But yeah. we know that, you know, we turn to the textual evidence, you know, and we see not only does Bhaktivinoda himself in his own texts, you know, beginning from Kalyana Kalpataru, where he's invoking in the Mangala Charan in that. You know, and then the Bengali translate, but the Sanskrit and the Bengali uh, references to Bhifindi Hari Goshami. You know, again, we see it in his Gita Mala references to Bhifindi Hari Goshami and his, you know, his Swarup identity uh, in his Chaitanya Charita Amrita, Amrita Prabhaha Bhasha. We see it there too. We see it again in Bhagavatar Kamarichi Mala. You know, um, uh, this is at the end of it. So he features all the way across his, you know, like, I mean, not maybe all the way to the end, but for us, you know, for a good number of decades, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's featuring within Bhaktivinoda Thakur's devotional world. You know, this, of course, we don't hear about any of this in the context of, you know, we hear about Srila Jagannath Das Babaji Maharaj. Yeah, I was just going to say, like on the altar, the, the pictures are, okay, it's yeah, Bhaktivinoda Thakur, then Jagannath Das Babaji. And, but yeah. there's, there's something going on between, between them in, in yeah, the sense yeah. of like other people. Yeah, there's exactly. I mean, so he meets Srila Jagannath Das Babaji Maharaj just a little bit after he meets uh, Bhikkhu Bihari Goshami. And uh, he certainly forms a disciplic relation, you know, disciplic, you know, shiksha type relationship with Jagannath Das Babaji Maharaj. And interestingly, you know, so this isn't just a Godia, this isn't just a Godia Mutt stroke ISKCON thing. And by, by, by Godia Mata, I mean, you know, the, the, you know, the, it's Saraswati Thakur, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur's institution, those things that grow from it. But actually, we also see in a biography written by Srila uh, Bhakti Thakur's personal servant who served him in the last approximately seven years of his life, someone called Krishnadas Babaji, served Srila Bhakti and actually passes away himself a year after Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur passes away. So, I mean, what was so going on? Hold on a second. So this is his personal servant of, of how many years? Uh, about seven years or so, something like, I mean, uh, yeah. I've never heard of that. I've never heard of him. That I, I, I believe there's a, there's like a, a murti of him in, in, uh, is it in Godruma Dweep? Possibly. 
okay. where, where, where there's, a, I, I think so. There is, I, 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 yeah, if I recall um, correctly, but uh, he writes his own uh, Bhaktivinoda Charit. He's got, you know, nothing to do with the, you know, I mean, the, the Gaudiya Mat hadn't been founded by that point. You know, right. so, 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 but uh, um, in this text, Bhaktivinoda Charit, interestingly, there's like, the only mention of Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur's guru in that text is with reference to Srila Jagannath Das Babaji Maharaj. So oh. even there we start to see the occlusion of Bhikkhu Bihari Goswami. You know, so so I'm not saying there's nothing to those narratives in the Gaudi, you know, in the, the you know, in the Gaudi Amat, you know. Um right. uh, something happened in there. Something happened in their relationship, whether it was during the time of Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur's living presence or it was posthumously after his departure. Something, something went on in that domain where the relationship became complicated, so, so, so to speak. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a book by uh, Bipin Bihari Goswami's great-grandson or grandson, I forget what it is. I think it's his great-grandson great-grandson it must be, I believe, uh, called Kanan Bihari Goswami. He's a scholar at Calcutta University. He writes a, a, an impressive text on the Bhagnapada Sampradaya, the, the tradition associated with Janavamatta and uh, Ramachandra uh, uh, Goswami and Bhikkhu Bihari Goswami. Uh, he writes in there that, uh, uh, that Bhaktivinoda Thakur was rejected by Bhikkhu Bihari Goswami for preaching untruths associated with Mayapur. Was oh. with but the interesting thing, of course, is that Bipin Bihari Goswami was a prominent member of the Nabadidham Pracharani Shabha, the organization set up to promote the establishment of Mayapur and went round collecting on behalf of it. You know, so he fully approved of Mayapur up until a certain point. The issue of Mayapur, of course, and this is another, so to, to, if we can sort of segue into that briefly, it's a... Yeah. That was a very contentious issue. Um, naturally, if, if you think about what's going on there, you know, there, there's like, you know, the existing town of Navadip in the late 19th century, you know, and they have their temples, etc. in there. And then Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur comes along and has his vision. And then across, does his research. Across the water. Across the water, exactly. Right, you know, right. you know exa exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's a, a Muslim fishing village at the time right there's you know in the oh. yeah yeah but there's lots of tulsi etc that but but uh, has his vision and then supports it with you know research you know based yeah. on whatever um and uh and and comes in and says no this is the actual birthplace of mahaprabhu you know but we go jai right but to think about historically i mean what kind of controversy is that going to cause in the context of nabadeep <laughs> with the existing Goswami communities there, you know, who are followers of Lord Chaitanya, and they're saying it's it's it's, it's, it's right here in our yeah, exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. Or they, they at the time were saying we don't know where it is. It's it's kind of oh, like okay. you know, it's like it's 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 lost. It's been swallowed by the Ganga, you know. But these are certain, you know. Uh, then 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 uh, then Bhaktivinoda Thakur comes along and essentially. So that's why scholars have come along and said, well, Bhaktivinoda Thakur represents a rupture within the Gaudiya Vaishnav tradition. What essentially he was doing was. Um, Fascinating, fascinating. Appropriating, you know, like sort of like arrogating unto himself the power to represent the tradition, taking it away from the traditional purveyors of Vaishnava authority, the Goshamis, etc. You know, wow. you know, and, and establishing Mayapur, and this then becomes like you know a Vaishnavism for 
the Bengali middle classes and, you know, and, and, and those, you know, and, and eventually, you know, even, you know, Westerners, right? But it's like, you know, you know, and, and the reason that we're, that we're, um, you know, that we we can identify with Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur's brand of Vaishnavism is because in a sense, we're seeing a mirror of ourselves. It's been deeply shaped by Western modernity. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's been deeply right. shaped by those modes. So when we see things in Bhaktivinoda Thakur that we identify, that's, you know, these scholars would be saying, that's because it's actually, you know, it's, it's, it's a ruptured Vaishnavism. It's shaped by the forces of colonialism, et cetera, and post-enlightenment modes of, modes of thinking. You know, so 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 that's what Bhaktivinoda Thakur that that is embodied then in in his you know in his Mayapur campaign, and is of course for a devotee and to say you know that's what you know it's like <laughs> like that doesn't sit that well that's like that's not that doesn't you know that that doesn't really sit very that doesn't sit very you know just intuitively there's a lot more going on to it than that. Um, before we get there though, interestingly though, in relation to this particular Mayapur thing and the Goswamis and the, I mean. Bhaktivinoda Thakur was working with a number of Goswamis, that this was not just a kind of, you know, westernized intellectual versus traditional elite kind of... Right, like him, him versus everyone else. You know, the existing... He was working with the traditional literati as well. There were, there were a number of, exist, you know, Goswamis, not least his own guru, that was supporting his campaign. Bipin Bihari Goswami was supporting his campaign. Of course, we know that Srila Jagannath Das, Babaji Maharaj, when Bhaktivinoda Thakur, you know, Sort of discerned the spot. He 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 sell, he danced for joy. We're told, you know. Yeah, he was like in a basket yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. started jumping. Exactly. Yeah. But, but it wasn't. He wasn't an isolated figure. There were a number of. It was a real mix. It was a. It's a very nuanced thing that you know what what, what was going on there. You know, there was a, um, and uh, yeah. So, um, uh, sorry, I've, I've, I don't know what the what the. Uh, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> I forget what the main point was. My, Mayapur was the point, and the rupture in the. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So. So. Uh, yeah. So. I mean. Yeah. Then. 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 Uh, That's really fascinating. Um, so why is that? Why is that important to note that this was a kind of, um, like I say, a rupture in the Vaishnava community. Why do you think that's important to note as like for, for us? Uh, oh, sorry, sorry. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's important to know, but I, I remember now why I was bringing that up. Yeah. yeah go for it. Go exactly. for it. So there was the establishment of Mayapur. This is all in relation to the issue of Bhaktivinoda Thakur's relationship with his Diksha guru. Right. Yeah. You know, you know, the fact is that they were working closely together for a long period of time up until at least the early 20th century. So that's a period of you know, over nearly 30 years working closely together. The issue of Mayapur, however, becomes, it doesn't, Bhaktivinoda Thakur's finding of Mayapur, establishment of Mayapur, and that it doesn't settle the problem, it persists. And so again, in like 1915 or 16 or something like that, it's, you know, where there's a devotee called Braj Mohan Das that does new research and says, no, 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 this is not it. It's over there, it's over there in Ramachandrapur. You know, this, this is, so, you know, today we have Prachin Mayapur, you know, they're all it's sort of mirroring almost, it's like two, you know, exact birth spots of Mahaprabhu in the Navadip region. You know, I mean, one, one, you know, one Prachin Mayapur, one, one, you know, Mayapur as we know it. Um, so that, that then causes, you know, that, 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 that gains momentum. And I think as a result of that, um, you know, peer pressure or whatever, but, um, Maybe Bipin Bihari Goshami around that time finds himself, no, you know, rejecting his disciples' version of events. 
account of where Mayapur is and finds himself, you know, um, having to align himself with, uh, you know, with now what is what is the new dominant narrative in the context of the Gaudiya world of that time, you know. So, 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 and maybe as a result of that, you know, distancing himself from Bhaktivinoda Thakur at that point. Um, so he, so he rejected him because, uh, because he had to disagree with his idea of where Mayapur was. I mean, where the birthplace was. Yeah, maybe that, that's my that's a that's a, that's a my speculation. You know, there's um, there's there's apparently an article by Bipin Bihari Goswami written under another name, um, where he says this explicitly. I've never been able to find that article, and I looked for a long time in in you know the British Library throughout archives in Bengal. I looked everywhere for it and and uh, came close, but but uh, never actually found the exact thing. But but that's the that's the claim. Yeah, that that Bipin Bihari Goswami. Um, distance himself from Bhaktivinoda Thakur um, as a result of, you know, the Mayapur controversy. Um, um, but, um, but the fact remains, though, that he, he supported and worked closely with Bhaktivinoda Thakur for a long period of time. And we, we also know that Saraswati Thakur uh, was himself involved in uh, editing some of the works of Bipin Bihari Goswami. So, so in the introduction to uh, Bipin Bihari Goswami writes a text called the Hari Bhakti Tarangini, published in 1902, all about, you know, essentially what is Vaishnav Sadachar and uh, th things like deity worship, etc. That text, Saraswati Thakur is noted in there as, you know, in the introduction as having edited the work. It was published wow. from, the, from, from, from Bhakti Bhavan, uh, Bhakti Vinod Thakur's press um and and uh, it, that text also ends up being advertised in the godia mutt's periodical the godia so there's there there are intimate they, 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 it's it's funny what's happened there there would what i've discovered is that there were there, there are interesting connections you know that that um that that uh, if, if we look to the sources we we find that have been somewhat silenced or occluded over time you know um uh but yeah so some people come across this stuff and they uh, you know and they go, okay yeah they go, okay well it's yeah, also like it's also like overwhelming regretting <laughs> 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 having me on your show I no 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 i don't regret it i think it's fascinating it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's um i think you know we're gonna get to the comment section a bit i haven't looked at it uh but but i see some questions and things but we're gonna get to so if you have a if you're listening to this and you have a question that you want to ask Lalita Madhava Prabhu, put it in the comments and I'm going to go through them. But um, what I want to kind of go into now is about, uh, so you finished your, your thesis on it. So what was your experience like um, in, in writing that thesis? Like, did you, did you have to really focus on, on the exact kind of, thesis statement that you were, or, or, or did you find so many things, like we're discussing it and we're, we're finding so many directions to go in. So how did you kind of like focus? I, fe I feel yeah, like. I, I, I mean, the, the first question that my supervisor asked me in our first meeting at Oxford was, so what's your argument? Right. <laughs> and I was, what, excuse me? Like, this is, I have no yeah, idea, you know, but, but, but essentially the next at least three years or so was, you know, was some, some, you know, a torturous, Kind of like yeah you know journey trying to work out exactly what i mean i didn't really have anything to say yet because i i need to read the material first you know is uh um 
uh, how it really began, uh, this is to, to go back a bit, and, and we can return to Shukovac's book, who was, you know, did that did that first major piece of scholarship on Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur. He had turned to a text called the Krishna Samhita, um, which was published just around the time that Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur uh, received initiation from Bipin Bihari Goswami uh, in 1879. Um, the first edition of that was published then at least. And Shukovac had uh, used that text to characterize what Bhaktivinoda Thakur is doing in his theology or what he represents. And so just to summarize that in brief, sorry, this is a, a roundabout way to address your question, but I will that's, get- That's okay, this is cool. That, that um, uh, Shukovac uh, essentially argues in the Krishna Samhita, Bhakti, it's a very radical text for, you know, any devote, have you, have you ever, to, no, no. It. Uh, it's a very interesting text in that it's written in three parts, the Upakramanika, the introduction, the Samhita portion, and the Upashamhar, the conclusion. The Samhita portion is essentially, you know, Bhaktivinoda Thakur says he's writing it in the, um, you know, in the traditional method um, uh, for, uh, uh, you know, writing it in sort of shloka form and detailing uh, essentially, um, you know, a theology of the Leela of Krishna. Um, you know, and the Shaktis, and and and, and well, that's also the first place we see, you know, what the various demons represent in Krishna Lila, you know, etc. Right. Oh yes, yes. Um, but the the section that's very somewhat bewildering when you first encounter it is the Upakramanika, the introduction. In that Bhaktivinoda Thakur there is essentially, you know, so when we read our scriptures, right, we are presented with a particular version of how history is you know what i mean there is you know there's, and it's and it's millions and millions and i mean it's 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 infinite it's, it's eternal essentially but you know we you know we're dealing with like these temporal you know expanses that are just unimaginable and you know and 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 and, and these you know um uh i don't know so, so many events happening in this yuga and that yuga etc um and also scriptures appearing at certain points in time you know so uh, Bhagavatam at the onset of Kali Yuga 5,000 years ago, roughly, as we understand it. What Bhaktivinoda Thakur is doing in that text, in the introduction of the text, he's like revising the history of essentially Indian religion or, you know, Hindu religion in the context, or Vaishnava religion in the context of, uh, of India. Um, and he's doing it in accordance with the findings of modern, of modern philological research, textual scholarship, you know, so he's uh, so things like um, you know he's revising you know, what the yugas are and kind of making them seem a little bit more you know rationally acceptable. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know uh, uh, he's he's also you know revising when certain texts appear. He goes so far as to posit the notion that uh, the Bhagavatam itself was not written by Veda Vyas, but someone with the pen name using the pen name of Yas in South India 1,000 years ago. It's like, whoa. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, he's, 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 he's suggesting that. So what, but what he's saying is, but what, how Shukovak reads him in this text, what he's doing is yeah. that, what Bhaktivinoda Thakur is showing here is that we can apply reason to those aspects of our tradition that are, you know, the legitimate domain of rational scrutiny. So the phenomenal realm, the realm where you can apply reason, geography, history, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you know? But 
none of that affects what uh, as it affects the transcendent or prakrita nature of Sri Krishna, Bhagavan. He, it doesn't matter when the Bhagavatam appeared. You know, I mean, if it contains truth, it's irrelevant. You know, right. I mean, the eternality of the Bhagavat is still a it still it still holds, even if it appeared just a thousand years ago, or whatever. By someone using the pen name Vyas, for example. So he's he's doing that there. So in that way, drawing a line between like the realm of the phenomenal, you know, that's susceptible to the application of rational analysis, and then the noumenal domain, which is you know, which is untainted and and remains pure and eternal. You know? What's the reason? What's the reason that he's trying to make it more rational? Well, he says that he's Bhaktivinoda. He's he's because as Sukhavat reads him, he's writing for the Western educated audiences, the Bengali intelligentsia, and also ideally those beyond Bengal in the West. You know, and 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 this will allow them to at least begin engaging with the tradition. You know, you know, rather than having to having to deal with you know, Puranic history is is quite fantastical. Do you, do you, you know, I mean, it's, yeah, it's an orientation to it. Or right? Vishnu and uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Lotus yeah, yeah. and Brahma, yeah, yeah. four heads, yeah. and yeah, exactly. the whole thing. So Bhaktivinoda Thakur is doing that in the Krishna Samhita, and then Shukabak, he says, "Well, this is this." He then uses that text to really characterize Bhaktivinoda Thakur, and that's what I was talking about. Allowing me when I read that for the first time to survive in academia. I thought, cool, this gives me a framework with which I can wow. object, you know, engage in sort of rational analysis, but at the same time retain my faith in the eternality of the blue, you know, the dark-hued cowherd lord, you know, and his and his entourage. Um, so so uh, uh, it, within that point, because that's, that's really interesting, because because um, I know we talked about this a little bit earlier, but um, uh, His Holiness Padmanabh Swami came on uh, uh, one or two episodes back, and he was. We were talking about is bhakti inherent in the jiva? That whole philosophical controversy. And so one of his points was, and I don't want to misrepresent it, but from what I understood, he was saying that Bhakti Votaku said certain things for what we call as preaching strategy. It's kind of like is that similar to what you're saying? No, well that's similar to what Shukabak is saying. I oh, don't know. No, oh. Sorry. Well. Sorry, this is actually it's not similar to what Shukabak is saying. Shukabak, this is, this is, yeah, okay. So that's a that's a common thing that people say. Bhaktivinoda was doing. There's a no doubt there was preaching strategies going on, right? But but back to back to what Shukabak is saying about Bhaktivinoda Thakur about you know representing what he's doing in the Krishna Samhita like that. But when I turned to to the Krishna Samhita and I read it, I didn't read it in that way. You know, it was a and, and, and interestingly, at the we have the benefit in Oxford of having he he had sent to Oxford the first edition of the Krishna Samhita, you know, signed by Bhakti Minatak over this. And so I was like, whoa, this is something I have to, yeah, yeah. So, he, yeah. he actually signed it? Yeah, I signed it. There's like a you know a picture of him in there, it's like cool. And there's a there's a letter Amazing. you know, uh, of, you know, giving it to Monier Williams, who was the great Sanskrit professor here at the time. But when I read the Krishna Samhita, I found actually, although the narrative sounds quite persuasive. That Shukavak, his interpretation of the text that he's, you know, when I read it, and this this interpretation has been very influential in scholarship, I also have to add. Essentially, what Shukavak did there has shaped the way that people have read Bhaktivinotaka in scholarship since he's done it. You know, that his 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 reading has been definitive. So I thought I should start by addressing that. You know, let, let, let's see if it holds. Turn to the text, and I saw actually this this is quite complicated. First and foremost, you know, it's like even in the first edition of the text. There are like multiple concerns here. He's definitely not just writing for a 
Budgerlok audience, you know, like for that, that you know, there, there, there's, you know, Budgerlok. What do you mean again? Oh, sorry, I hadn't explained that. The, sorry, the, the 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 Western educated Bengalis. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I read because because uh, Lalita Madhavaprabhu for our listeners sent me some of his writings, and I was like, he's like, you know, I was like, send me some of your stuff, and I was like, I'll read up on it to prepare for this interview, and I read it, and I was like, I read that uh, that word Badralok, yeah. Badra, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> teaches there. Sorry to interject with my. Yeah, yeah. No, but, well, I mean, literally, it means gentleman or you know the bhadra the cultured person right. uh, but it became like a self-designation by those who were like you know bhadralok as opposed to the lesser people the chotalok you know right. the, the less the less cultured people you right. know the, um um but but uh, and has been inherent you know has been absorbed into scholarship in this in this area somewhat problematically perhaps sorry too many details there but yeah. but, 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 but you brought it up yes. <laughs> but but um uh that he that he wasn't just doing that it was like there were definitely he it's 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 there, there seemed to be actually he's trying to straddle straddle multiple worlds in the text you know because if you think about it at the time it was just before um getting initiated into a very traditional goswami lineage that he published the text so he was not and he had been consulting with his guru we learn for three years prior to his initiation, you know, back and forth, letters back and forth. So, 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 you know, he's, he's obviously also writing for pre-existing, he's not just, you know, for, you know, for the westernized Bengalis, but he's also writing with existing Vaishnav communities in mind. You know, what are they going to think of this text? Are they going to, is it going to be, is it going to be, uh, uh, and of course, on, on that note, to bear in mind that, in, that, 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 that those sorts of recognitions were important to Bhakti Vinodakura. The name Bhakti Bhaktivinod, you know, one who pleases Bhakti, that is bestowed upon him in 1886 by the Bhagnapada Goshamis, by the, you know, by 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 Bihari Goshami's lineage, you know, and his community. They oh, give him that name Bhakti Vinod, which he uses for the rest of his life, you know, to bear in mind. So he's obviously writing with these sorts of figures in mind as well. And interestingly, then I turn to what I learned was actually no one had mentioned this. Everyone had just been dealing with the Krishna Samhita as if it was just like only published once. It was published twice, at least. Yeah, two, there were two editions. It was published a number of times, but there were two, two editions of the text, one in 1879 and one in 1903, 19, around that time, 1903. Uh, it was a second edition. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and in, that, in that edition of the text, uh, it's, there are these subtle, I came across, I was reading both editions side by side, and I went, wait a second, this isn't quite the same as what it says there. You know, there's, there's like, whereas in the first edition, he was going, well, you know, I can suggest, uh, we, we speculate that, you know, that uh, Veda Vyas, you know, uh, uh, didn't write the Bhagavat, you know, 5,000 years ago, but someone using the pen name Vyas a thousand years ago in South India. In the second edition of the text, he say, he says, Modern scholars, now he's distancing himself from that narrative. Modern right. scholars speculate that the Bhagavat wasn't, was, was written only a thousand years ago by someone using the pen name Vyas, right? Only a thousand years ago in South India. Then, you know, in the footnote, we, however, totally disagree with this opinion. This, this position cannot be considered faith. We believe only the verdict of the Shastra. You know, so this is, so, so that's where I go, wow, that's very interesting. I found that transition very interesting, you know, to go from, you know, entertaining ideas potentially, 
you know, whether it's a preaching strategy or, I mean, I perhaps, you know, based on other things that I've read of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, he's actually open to those things, to, you know, to, to, those, to those revised views. Two, 25 years later, saying, no, you know, having been fully exposed to these, you know, to, to philology, to modern research, saying, no, we believe only the verdict of the Shastra. You know what I mean? So he, so, so he knows what scholars say, knows how they do their, you know, he's acquainted with their methodologies. But in the face of that, he's saying, no, but I, but, 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 uh, but, you know, I, I, I only believe the, uh, the scholarly, I mean, the, the, um, the traditional account, the verdict of Shastra. I, I felt that was indicative to me of like, there's a, there's a transition that's taken place there, you know, um, and also the importance of, as opposed to what Shukovak is saying, with regard to, you know, elements of the Shastra, some are phenomenal and can be revised, you know, some are eternal and must be preserved. Mm. Actually, what Bhaktivinoda Thakur seems to be implying by what he's doing in that text is no, the integrity of the entirety of the Bhagavat's narrative is important and we embrace it in its totality. We embrace oh. all of it, you know. How does he do that? Actually, how does he do that? Having been fully exposed to critical history, you know, and I thought, well, there's something going on here than just Bhaktivinoda Thakur being as Shukovat paints him, a kind of modern liberal theologian, you know, that, you know, that essentially, you know, sort of compromises with the world. <laughs> essentially, it's, you know, it's like there's a different, you know, there's, a, there's, 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 you know, so on the first view on Shukovat's reading, how the Bhagavat looks to Bhaktivinoda essentially is that there's like the eternal core of Krishna, but then all the narratives, yeah, about the history, you know, the endings that, they're just there just to kind of, you know, they're just an external casing, you know, and, you know, and, 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 you know, maybe for like, you know, the simple minded, for, you know, for example, right, like, like, like that. But on this view, you know, Bhakti is saying that the entirety of the thing is important, you know, mm -hmm. the entirety of the thing, you know, um, and, and, but, but how does he do that? Because he's also very aware of like, you know, critical history. Um, and I, I felt that transition was, was uh was an interesting one to explore and that kind of um sort of gave me the yeah the direction in, in, in which i was going to um hone my argument you know wow. uh, yeah tracing these transitions in bhaktivinoda and I, then i found it in other domains too i found it in the context of uh his 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 um polemics against the sahajiyas right. uh, you know which is a, a key feature of his work and i also found it in his what we know is his universalism, you know, his, 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 uh, you know, his accommodating of other faiths and other traditions yes. and ascribing the church of Kirtan and things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I found transitions in his, in his, in, in his writings over time in those other domains too. And wow. I, so, so, so the picture comes like, yeah, you know, to be how we paint Bhaktivinoda, you know, to, to, to text an isolation and just, you know, use that, you know, to represent the entirety of Bhaktivinoda Thakur's thought is, I think, a bit distorting and misleading. You know, we have to be aware of the entirety a little bit. There's so much you can say about this. It's like so, it's like an amazing, fascinating topic. But let's go into the okay, uh, questions. A lot of discussion happening in the, in the comment section. Uh, from what I see here, let's start here. Uh, how did you harmonize the academic need to be rigorously objective and critical of your sources versus the devotional urge to accept things on faith and love, even when you don't fully comprehend them? Interesting question. 
Yeah, that's a very interesting, very pertinent, and uh, it's an ongoing dynamic, I would say. It's, uh, I mean, have I harmonized? I don't, uh, you know, it's, sometimes I feel I do better than others, but I, you know, I'm, I've, I've always been one to not shy away from challenging my own faith, you know, to, you know, from, from the out, essentially I've been in academia almost as long as I've, you know, taken spiritual life, you know, somewhat seriously. So, so they, they sat side by side really from the outset. And, um, and at times it is, you know, I've, I found ways to harmonize it at other times I've been challenged and found it, um, yeah, like being a little bit bewildered and lost. <laughs> yeah. But it's an ongoing thing. It's a, I, I, I really like a, a French philosopher called Paul Ricoeur, who deals with interpretation, hermeneutics, you know, hermen interpretation as like, as a really central to our way of being. Mm. Um, and uh, he has the notion of a, the hermeneutic arc in which, uh, you know, at least particularly in the context of modernity, uh, this modern moment that we begin, you know, that, 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 that there's, you know, a primary kind of just naive acceptance of, you know, religious symbols and narratives and thing, you know, the, the, that domain, you know, and then in, in the context of modernity, and if we're engaging in, you know, the world of criticism, you know, we, all of that gets called into question. It's like, it's being put through that, you know, it's, it, it, you know, um, that can serve a role too. You know, he says, you know, um, that, 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 that it allows like idols to, sorry, this is, I'm getting a bit too abstract here. I was going to say idols to die, you know, so, so, so that's, you know, but anyways, I won't go there. But, 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 so, but the key concept I wanted to draw on was um, this notion of a, a second naivete, you know, that it's like, and the danger is you get into academia and you get, you know, like there are many people who start off as practitioners, devotees, whatever, whether, if, you know, you know, in the Gaudiya tradition or other things, and they begin, to, and by the end, they're like, you know, just, you know, just another dry academic, you know, you know, like, uh, you know, I mean, some really do survive and thrive and do really well. Um, you know, I, I can name many, but, 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 but also there's also the risk of, you know, of going another direction. But as Paul Ricoeur says, you know, after the desert of criticism, we wish to be called again, you know what I mean? And to find somehow to find a second naivete, you know what I mean? So it's, you know, so, so so much of my really existence within academia and outside of it for the past decade has like been, you know, while I'm doing this work, trying to find my second naivete because I also, you know, I I believe I and actually to address uh, Caroline's question directly, you know, um, in the context of my of my um, the mission to which I'm broadly associated, this notion of uh, Sharanagati. Surrender. You know, there's yeah. a, a book that Sri Lashrida Maharaj wrote called Prapanajivan Amritam, all about yes. all about Sharanagati and the various limbs, you know, a compilation of verses that really highlight, you know, the, the, the various dimensions of surrender in a systematic way. But, you know, and how important that, 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 that you know, so, so ultimately, there's, you know, like my scholarship, it's like, I don't want to be, you know, I think at like the time of my death. <laughs> I don't want to see my academic articles. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? This yeah. is something I'm doing now, and it can be useful for a particular phase of existence that I'm in, and I have certain kinds of dispositions, you know, and I, you know, and it actually has its challenge, but in some ways deepen my faith in certain moments. Wow. But, 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 but ultimately, you know, I believe very much in like, I'll, at the end of the day, you know, Shadanagati aspiration. Not that I've, I'm there at all, but you know, that's you know, and uh, you know, the chastity to my to my own 
spiritual mind, you know, that, that, that you know, like ultimately, I think sometimes, you know, you are, I'm going to bring my thesis to, to Bhaktivinoda Thakur and I, I write thesis, you know, like give me a day, <laughs> you know, what I mean? like, give me, you know, or even to my own Gurudev, I'll be a bit, very shy. I don't like you know a bit shy you know like some I can maybe some of my god brothers and god sisters I can I can yeah. share it with you know I like, like like that and you know um but I you know it's 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 beautiful hearing that from you because it's not something that we hear from scholars like kind of their internal like what they're thinking about when some such a question arises you know so to I mean this is what I feel the beauty of the show is that we can bring that out from from people when yeah. we don't really hear things like that. Yeah, thank you for, for answering that. We have a, a lot, a few more questions, so I'm going to stop you there and uh, we'll look at some other ones. Here's a here's an interesting one. Uh, it is my impression that Bhaktivinoda Thakur was more liberal in his views regarding religion than his son or Prabhupada. Can you comment on that? Also, did Bhaktivinoda Thakur believe that Lord Chaitanya was Krishna himself? Thank you. Okay. Um, well. I'll, I'll begin with uh, the first part of that question first, which is very simple and uh, I think just a resolute yes. Bhaktivinoda Thakur did believe that Lord Chaitanya was Krishna himself, without a doubt. Although, you know, he writes a book at the end, uh, towards the, you know, later on in his life, that is part of, you know, the English language. Um, is it Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, His Life and Precepts? Yes. That, that accompanies his Sri Gauranga Smarana, Leela Smarana Mangala Stotram and the Sanskrit. Um, and in there, you know, he's writing, but he's also saying, you know, and, you know, I, I believe that, you know, the, uh, that Lord Chaitanya is Bhagavan, the Lord himself. But even if you don't, if you can accept him as a, as a, as a holy person, something a lot, I'm paraphrasing, you know, so, so, so also in that sense, you know, that you'll gain some benefit anyways, you know, I mean, just by engaging with this, engaging with this material. Um, uh, in the first, in terms of the first part of that question, um, I would say that that's kind of what I'm, yeah, so there's a stereotype of this, this cliche of like, you know, like Bhaktivinoda Thakur, the liberal, Saraswati Thakur, the conservative. I mean, I think there's, you know, there's, there's both deeply liberal aspects to what Saraswati Thakur is doing and very conservative aspects in Bhaktivinoda Thakur too, particularly in his later writing. For instance, we take his, Bhagavat's speech that he gives at the outset of his quote-unquote Vaishnav sojourn or when it says that you know those truths of theology and philosophy are like the peaks of great towering mountains you know and the the great personalities thinkers you know and religious figures of the you know of the you know of, of history have 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 looked towards those same peaks but they've taken their you know, positions at, you know, different places in the world, some east, some west, some further east, some further west, you know, but all are looking to the same, to the same mountain in a sense, you know, and great liberalism accommodating, you know, all, all of that, you know, and Shukovak in his book quotes that, quotes that speech in every chapter of his, you know, at the outset of the, the epigraph of every chapter of his, of his book. But then we look at the Swaniyama uh, Dwadashikam of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, the last piece that he writes in his own writing. Uh, and uh, and he says, you know, towards the end of that, I forget what it's verse nine or eight or something. He says, uh, and those, you know, pious people who worship Krishna, but don't pay attention to Shrimati Radhika. Yes, mm. I, I I cannot even be in the same place as as, as them. That is that is audacity. That is you know that is pride, like that. You know the, the intensity of that. You know, but but but, but I mean. Mahaprabhu himself 
you know, is, is has both deeply universal and also very particularist, specific. In the last, you know, the last 12 years of his life, you know, in, in the Gambier, in the Gambier, you know, like, you know, the, 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 the intense, you know, and, you know, poetry and writings being vetted by Swarup Damodar before Mahaprabhu would look at them because he couldn't handle anything that had any, any element of rasa bhas in it, for instance, mm. you know, that, but, but is that, so that's like super specific, a very particular, very, you know, like you know, cultivating a very particular mood. But is that, is that conservative or is that also in some paradoxical way, actually deeply liberal? If we think about what he's cultivating, you know, Krishna as like the, the, the very specific Lord, the very, in the, the, the charming medium sized Lord, as opposed to, you know, Bhagavad, you know, uh, Brahman, yeah. the greater than the yeah, greatest, I, I like or, Brahma, you know, smaller than the, the, the charming medium sized Lord, the very specific, <laughs> concrete vision, but at the same time, the most universal, we mm. say, you know, I mean, so there's also, I mean, of course, there's an, there, there are other forms of conservatism as well that are like, you know, that are more like bigotry at times. But, but you know, and, but I'm, in the context of Saraswati Thakur and Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur and Srila Prabhupada, I, I, we're, we're dealing with it in, in a different realm, you know, and what yes. conservative and liberal means and that. that anyways, yeah, so that's a... That's a, that's a, that's a cool, thank you. Uh, I've always wondered why, although Rabindranath Tagore and Bhaktivinoda Thakur were contemporaries, or at least within the same era, one has fame not only in Bengal but around the world, and the other is more known around the West, perhaps uh, than even in his birthplace. Birthplace. Ah, okay, at least in the same area, one has fame not only in Bengal but around the world, and the other is more known around the West, perhaps than even in his birthplace. Yeah, so we're talking about Trila Bhakti, exactly. Bhakti Vinod Thakur there. Yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, I mean, I would. Uh, there's. It's. You know this. Ultimately, Bhaktivinoda Thakur is uh, propounding a, a, a religion that requires commitment. <laughs> right. <Good point>. yeah. <laughs> so say commitment, affiliation, surrender. Shadanagati is writing about Shadanagati. Right. You know, I mean, it's, uh, this is not an easy thing. You know, Amar Jivana, Shadapapayarata. You know, this is, yeah. this is really painful at times. Tagore, and of course, Bhaktivinoda Thakur knew Rabindranath and knew his elder brother, uh, Dwijendranath, very, very well. As well, you know, there's uh, very, they were very good friends. And Boro, he called him Boro Dada. He referred to Tagore's older brother as Boro Dada, and would spend time in the Tagore family home at Jorashanko, the Tagore buddy. Um, but, but but yeah, that Tagore, but Tagore himself, of course, is also drawing on heavily Vaishnav themes, and also in his Banushinger uh, Padavali, you know, the form of Vaishnav Padavali, and his later writing, the content of Vaishnav poetry, Vaishnav themes. But you know. Drawing on it, but in a in a in a in a looser way, in a more accessible humanist way, perhaps you know that 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 that, that doesn't require the same kind of commitment. It's mm. you know as as, uh, yeah. as you know, and 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 it's true that there was a book written by um, one Kashinath Mukhopadhyay, who was associated with the Sri Chaitanya Gaudiya Math, I believe it is, um, who. Uh, Maybe I got that much. I forget. Anyways, the institute doesn't really matter. But 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 he talks in there about how even in Bengal, Bhaktivinoda Thakur is and his literary um, uh, um, glory, because he was a, he was he was an amazing writer, is is not known very well outside of Vaishnav circles because of the fact that he's writing on specifically Vaishnav themes. You know, right. but I would say that back in the late 19th century, he was actually a lot more well known 
and the early 20th century. He was a lot more well known in Bengal uh, than he, you know, than 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 uh, maybe he is today. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Would you like to gloss on the question of caste that was restricting the spread of Vaishnavism and Mayapur was also a part of freeing it from the fetters or the traditional modes of dissemination? This is from another scholar. Yeah, yeah, this is my this is my this is my buddy, I believe. <laughs> Off you go. <laughs> ah, yes. Dandavat. Um like to gloss on the question of caste. That was restricting this. Yeah, that's definitely the, that, that. That was definitely the case. Um, it's, I haven't actually explored that issue greatly, you know, in the in the context of my work. Although um, I do know that Bhaktivinoda Thakur. So we hear about the Jati, the Jat Boish. Oh, this is getting into the specifics. But Abhishek, I'm speaking to you directly now, if you don't mind. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, I was reading recently that. Um, so these uh, Jat Boishnabs, these Jati Boishnabs, who are um, uh, a sub-caste without Varna, they're a Jati without a Varna, they're just Boishnav, and they've fallen beyond Varnashram Dharma. And then there's a whole sort of, you know, history of those in the context of Bengal and, and the religious life of, of, of Bengal. Uh, but in the 19th century, uh, they were sort of organizing themselves as a, as a, uh, as a Jati, um, and really campaigning against uh, casteism, um, and uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur. So, so one of the leaders of that campaign it was Madhusudan Das Adhikari, yeah, um, who is actually, as you know, Abhishek, Bhaktivinoda Thakur's close, close friend, right? And there's also Joe O'Connell has written on this, you know, on what was going on in the. And I've realised now that actually it would be very interesting to look at what's going on in that context. To understand, I think it has implications even for the way that we understand, uh, the, you know, because all those debates were going on in that context, the relationship between Vaishnav and Brahmin, you know, uh, and this is around 1911, so uh, uh, 1910, 1911. So I think there's, uh, the, uh, obviously, maybe you're, you're, you're more equipped and qualified than I to, to do that kind of work. So, so I'll be in touch. We could have him on the show too. Yeah, yeah we should have a show too. <laughs> Yeah, All right, we'll be in touch. Uh, okay, let's move on here. Um, uh, oh, how can I get uh, his thesis? I would like to buy it. Kalki Das. Uh, Is it for sale? Or you're writing, yeah, your thesis. You're writing okay, a I'm turning it, I'm book. Turning, right? not, that's not for sale at the moment. That's I'm turning that into a book, but I've got a bunch of articles, um, not a bunch, a few articles uh, that are available online. If you look up my name, Lucian Wong, L U C, my you know, Lucian L U C. Put it on the screen later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put it on the screen. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, when did go the Gaudiya line become sannyas dominant? Ah, uh, yeah. That's in. Uh, that's well. That's really Saraswati Thakur's kind of inst You know, introducing um, introducing that institution into in, into Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Although, having said that, there is. Another associate of Bhaktivinoda Thakur called Radhikanath Goshami, um, who was co-editor of the Vishnu Priya Patrika alongside Bhaktivinoda Thakur, um, and is a prominent representative of the uh, Advaita Bangsha in the late 19th century, great pundit as well. And he retires to Brindavan and uh, writes a text called Jati Dorpan, which is all about uh, validating the institution of sannyas within the Gaudiya tradition. And this is like in like 19, I think again, like something like 1913 or something around that time. So it, it also 
whether that's indicative of a broader discourse, I haven't encountered anything else yet, but there are precursors to what Saraswati Thakur did, but, but really the, in, the, the introduction of Tridandi Sanyas in the context of the, the is really a Gaudiya Mutt, that's a Gaudiya Mutt, uh, a Gaudiya Mutt thing, and at that time, and then, yeah, and then we see the, and then we see that, and that's also associated with, of course, um, you know, Daivi Varnashram Dharma, a kind of almost like a, uh, you know, a, a social project as well. It wasn't just about, you know, you, when, you, uh, when you get to uh, Saraswati Thakur and even, in, you know, in Bhaktivinoda Thakur a bit, um, but then really in Saraswati Thakur, there's, there's almost like a, a social agenda as well, you know, to, to, to transform society, you know, into something somewhat more conducive to the cultivation of, of Bhakti by the institution of, uh, you know, a proper conception of Varnashram Dharma. Um, and then uh, that's also that then, of course, goes in line with, uh, you know, the, a, a stronger narrative against Kasko Swamis, etc. Mm. Uh, um, cool. Interested to know about the other contemporary Vaishnavas of Bhaktivinoda's time, such as Bijoy, Krishna Goswami, Radha Charandas Babaji and Samaj Bari. And are there any comments by the Thakur on Ram Krishna Paramahamsa? This is a very technical uh, question. Okay, yeah, again, well, so, <laughs> all the scholars online, it's funny. Um, yeah, so uh, the second question first. Um, so the Taku and Ramakrishna Paramahansa, um, I was working with Abhishek actually back in like 2011. We were going through the Shajantoshini. I forget what it's called. It's a, there's a book review um, that deals with a text that's the Tattashad or something like that that's come out of those sort of Ramakrishna Paramahansa circles. And Bhaktivinoda Thakur in there mentions this, this Pujari, uh, you know, from, you know, in, in uh, South Calcutta, the, uh, you know, the Kali temple in Calcutta and uh, his, you know, how he's gaining from, he hasn't become the, the great Ramakrishna Paramahansa yet. I, I, don't, I don't, I don't think, or maybe it's, you know, beginning to, but, but, but he mentions there that this, and it's, it's a curious, he's got, he, he kind of like, the, the tone is somewhat curious and kind of like some, he's, withholding judgment on Ramakrishna Paramahansa at that point. Um, and I, I haven't actually come across anything else in the Shajantoshini, though uh, there certainly may well be. Um, in terms of Bijoy Krishna Goshami um, and Radha Charandas Babaji uh, and Samaj Bari, um, so I actually haven't seen any mention in Bhaktivinoda's writings of Bijoy Krishna Goshami. Uh, or rather, um, Charandas Dave Babaji. Um, but um, I mean, no, actually, sorry, no, there, there is in, in, a, in, in an old, sorry, in a biography of Bhaktivinoda Thakur by, I believe it's Krishna Das, there's mention of uh, Radha Charandas Dave, um, um, and not very favorable. <laughs> um, in, interestingly, when I was speaking to Sorry, as a, as a somewhat uh, side note, when I was speaking to um, um, uh, a Babaji called Kishori Das Babaji in um, uh, in Bengal, in, near Kumarhatta, um, that uh, he and I was asking him about uh, the 19th century. His his, and I'm, I'm not saying that this is gospel or anything. I'm just saying that in the in the eyes of in the eyes of um, you know more like traditional Goswamis and Babajis. Um, Radha Charandas Dev, and he said, in the 19th century, he said, there was a lot of hodgepodge going on. He's speaking in Bengali, a lot of hodgepodge going on. And he named three, you know, Bhakti Vinod, Radha Raman Charandas Dev, and Jagat Bandhu Sundar. 
says, they have no bishesh bhajan, no bishesh bhajan. They're doing, they, they're not following the prachin dhara, the ancient current. That was the, that was the conception of, uh, <laughs> but, but there's definitely, Bhaktivinoda Thakur is definitely associating with devotees who are part of those broader networks of Vaishnavas in the 19th and early 20th centuries. Right. Yeah. Okay, Siddha Pranali was presented by Thakur Bhaktivinoda in Harinam Chintamani and Jaiva Dharma and his demise thereafter. What happened? Okay, this is like a whole podcast, but <laughs> really like 30 seconds. Yeah, of course, yeah. Jeez. I don't know if you can do that, but. Yeah, well, um, interestingly, so yeah, it's definitely, it features in Bhaktivinoda Thakur, um, uh, uh, you know, in those texts that you mentioned. Interestingly, even in Bipin Bihari Goswami's works, there are warnings. There are warnings. So it's, this isn't also just a critique from, coming from, you know, the Gaudiya Mutt associated figures, but there were warnings about the, 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 the too easy distribution of these things to people to, to you know, by disciples who are not qualified to, to, to uh, by gurus who are not qualified to disciples who are not qualified. Um, there, there's that. So, so come the Gaudiya Mutt, of course, you know, at least, in, you know, in the, as, as I understand it, this is, this has come to me through my own particular religious institution that, uh, you know, on that, a nice sort of, summary of Saraswati, the Gaudiya Mutt's position on this is, 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 um, this is, um, you know, and that he, uh, Saraswati Thakur uh, composed a song uh, for, for when they were moving the Gaudiya Mutt from Uttadingi Junction to Bagbajar. And mm. one of the sort of couplets in that, Mattala Hari Janak, sorry, Pujala Raghupata Gaudabhabhanga. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Mattala I know that one from. But it's like, yeah, that, that, that's, it's, it's an interesting conception. I think that there encapsulates the relationship of the, of Gaudiya Mutt thinking to the path of Raghunuga Sadhana, that actually, it's always, yeah, exactly. And the word there is Gaudabhabhanga sometimes is wrongly translated as Bhanga, breaking Gaudava. You know, like we break the god of worshiping the ragapot and, and and intoxicated in you know uh, either in kirtan or the you know the the bishayaronge is somewhat. I won't go into that. That's a bit complex. But but um, essentially yukta vairagya, utilizing the things of this world. But 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 actually the the, the word there bonge is short for bongite. Bongi is in the in the posture. In the you know in the in, in the in, as a posture of godava, the path of vidhi. Vaiti, yeah, in the you know the the, the shavanam kirtan, you know, this um, the, that that in that posture we worship the ragapat. So actually, the conception of the of the of the, as far as I understand it, and I hope I'm not misrepresenting here, that the the Gaudiya Mutt followers is that they are actually practicing raganuga. They're on the path of 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 you know on the ragapat, you know. Uh -huh. by, as that that is their ideal, of course. Others would would uh, you know would uh, you know who, you know who, who see it differently. You know would uh, would uh, um, contest that. And sure. you know, that's another discussion, though. I'm not going to go into it here. Great, <laughs> right, beautiful. I love that answer. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur was the first prominent Gaudiya Vaishnav to engage with Christianity. Can you tell us something about his views on Christianity and how that could shape modern Gaudiya Vaishnav's relationship with Christianity? Yeah, so Bhaktivinoda Thakur had very close relationships with, exactly as you're, as you're indicating here, with Christians, you know, from his early school days, you know, um, uh, uh, all the way, well, you know, I, I mean, I actually know, he, he kind of, he says actually early on that he, he preferred the, the mood of Christ much more to what was going on in the Brahmo tradition, which was very dry, sort of dry worship, he called it. Um, and there was, he, he, he discerned um, rasa, 
even at times he says that. And of course, we know in texts like, um, so in an earlier version of the Krishna Samhita, he refers to, uh, uh, called the Dattaka Stupa, which was actually, I think, envisioned as, you know, it was, you know, there was going to, there was this short version and the Krishna Samhita was going to be the extended version of that text, but ended up being something else. In the Dattaka Stupa, he delineates a system, you know, uh, based on Panchayatana Puja, uh, the, the, you know, where there's the, you know, the, the, the Shaktas, Sauras, Ganapatyas, Shaivas and Vaishnavas, these you know, fivefold traditions, you know, as kind of like categories for forms of religion in the world, you know. And he, of course, groups Christians underneath Vaishnavas, you know, he considers them Vaishnavas. And then in um, elsewhere in his Krishna Samhita, he even speaks of uh, where that system appears again. He speaks of, uh, he speaks of, uh, uh, Christ and uh, um, uh, Moses as as uh, being able to bestow certain forms of rasa, even you know, so uh, vatsalya rasa mixed with awe and reverence in the context of Jesus, and dasya rasa in the context of uh, in, in relation to uh, Moses. Um, wow. Uh, well, yeah, he he says that, so it's like wow, that's like really like, you know, there's real parity there between tradition. But then this is one of the things that I do in my work, you tracing the transitions, but he doesn't do that across the board, actually. You know, I mean, there are later works such as his, and Abhishek has worked quite a bit on this text, uh, the Tattobibek, uh, a philosophical treatise, where he's quite, he groups Christianity and Christian doctrine within the first category of those that have been born from our conditioned nature, those views that have been born uh, exactly, in the, exactly uh, 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 from our conditioned nature. Uh, and then also sort of like talks about the notion of like, you know, the, the Garden of Eden and the fall from that eating as actually uh, irrational, quite, I forget exactly, but it's quite, it's quite disparaging. And then um, uh, in his, uh, in his um, Prem Pradeep, even earlier than that, there's mixed views with regard to Christianity. So, you know, but um, it's it's complicated. It's really complicated. There's like so, and I see this actually in relation to, I, I see the transition in Bhakti. So, so early on in Bhakti Vinod, a kind of easy universalization of you know Vaishnavism and an accommodating of different positions very easily within Vaishnav systems. You know, inclusivism as we know it in scholarship, and and uh, and the theology of religions, whereby you accommodate. What you see in another, and but you subordinate it to your own system. So you can always give something a place within your thought, you know, and you know, and uh, you know, by putting Jesus on like you know, vatsalya rasa mixed with you know, there's there's it's acknowledging great parity, but at the same time subordinating ultimately. Mm. But um, in the context of uh, uh, early Gaudiya Vaishnav, earlier Gaudiya Vaishnavism, we have an analog, you know, analogously, how do we deal with Islam? How do texts like the Chaitanya Charitamrita deal with Islam. Well, there are, there are conflicting treatments of Islam in the text. You know, on the one hand, there's, you know, there are passages like Mahaprabhu's encounter with a peer, you know, the Sufi peer, says actually, no, Quran teaches, Quran teaches, you know, is teaching truth, is teaching ultimately that, you know, uh, uh, that Krishna is God, essentially, you know, there's a, the, the Lord is blackish, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. On the other hand, in his encounter with the Kaji, no, this is uh, Kolpana Shastra. It's Adunik. It's it's modern and it's imagined. This is not. This is not. It's, there's there's like ambivalence. There's both wanting to accommodate and find um, parity, but at the same time, not fully being able to accommodate and actually being quite. 
And so I actually see what's going on in Bhakti Vinataka is really some of those more, that some of that ambivalence starts to appear with regard to other faiths in his later thought. Not that he's like disrespectful in any ways, you know, yeah. like to say that Christianity can bestow rasa, that's a huge thing to say. If you think about like, what do we need to do to experience rasa in our tradition? You know, I mean, ultimately, Raganuga Sadhana Bhakti, and it's very specific. Do you know what I mean? So it's right. like, any, anyhow, there, there's that. There's right. yeah. yeah, thank you. Yeah. I'm going to uh, pick and choose now because we're running out of time or yeah. uh, coming close to the end, but I'm going to pick questions that I'm interested in. Uh, so, <laughs> um, cool. Okay, let's see here. Uh, this is interesting to me. Can you tell us something about the split among the followers of Srila Bhakti Nodhakar? Uh, Srila Saraswati Thakur and Lalita Prasad Thakur, what were some of the points of contention? Yeah, I, I, I think partly it hinges on, again, or, you know, this uh, place of Siddha Pranali within the tradition, you know, Saraswati Thakur being much more guarding if at all, you know, he accommodates it at all. Um, you know, uh, there's different views on that. Uh, and uh, Lalita Prasad, obviously, you know, fully practicing that, um, you know, uh, and uh, also, I mean, one of the, you know, a famous article by Saraswati Thakur about, um, it's quite condemning actually of Lalit Prashad Thakur um, about how, you know, this is a, this is Babha Badha Radha or something like that. I forget, you know, that, 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 that you know, the, the how um, uh, Lalit Prashad conceived of his father in a somewhat more mundane way, according, this is from the vision of Saraswati Thakur, you know, right. as father, a, a more, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, Saraswati Thakur is as, 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 of course, there's also the notion of the, you know, um, what you make of that, uh, leave it to, to others to decide, I'm not coming down on that either way in this, in the context of the story. There's, there's also, of course, uh, Lalit Prashad, in line with his practice of Siddha Pranali, also still on his altar and in, in, in the Guru Parampara uh, features Bipin Bihari Goshami and all the way and also all the Goshaminis, all those female gurus that ultimately, you know, they, they, you know all the way up to Janava, Mata, etc. Those, those are still appearing there. Uh, I mean, in terms of, yeah, I, I you know, I, I haven't studied the Leet Prashad in any depth, so I don't have, I, I'm not really qualified to speak on that subject. Um, sure. Although I have, yeah, anyways, but, but so, so, so that's, a, that's a, my short response, yeah. Cool, thank you. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, well, um, uh, Lalita Madhava was going to come. Lalita thank you so much for for joining me on. You know, it was a very fascinating discussion, and uh, I'm so glad that you're you're doing this. You know, there's someone in this field. I know there's many other devotees doing this, but to get a little bit of a taster from you about what it kind of is and how how one actually, you know. What kind of getting in your mind about how you um, did that uh, evolution? But if 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 you want to please leave us with uh, some some closing statements, uh, some closing statement, I guess about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh God, yeah. Oh. I, I've seen you do this to other people. I never know what to say in this. Country. I know. I, I put people on the spot. I'm sorry about that. Uh, I think maybe there's anything. Okay, I know. I'll quote. I'll quote again. My, you know, my, my one of my favorite Western philosophers, Paul Ricoeur, says. Uh, Says, um, in terms of his, in terms of the 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 the, the uh, his own faith, he was a Christian. But I think it's also so 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 the way that I've seen my engagement with academia, and I think this can be applied to not just in academia but other things. In terms of 
challenging ourselves, putting us, you know, like engaging with other voices, with other, you know, being a bit more dialogical in terms of our approach to our spiritual life, that we can learn, you know, and we can be enriched from engagement with others and other things, you know, yeah. um, that, 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 so the recur quote goes something along, it's a contingency, i.e., you know, by virtue of his birth, he's a Christian, born in a Christian family, just that's a complete random fact, transformed into a destiny by a choice constantly renewed, so always in the scrupulous openness to the plurality of voices, you know, a choice yeah. constantly renewed in the scrupulous openness to the plurality of voices, my Christianity, my Vaishnavism, you know, I think that there's a lot to be Beautiful. gained from putting ourselves, you know, from challenging ourselves, but, you know, like to be a bit, you know, this notion, one other message I would say, there's a notion of like, you know, preaching, I, I know we've all got issues with that maybe sometimes, but it's like yes. it's very monological, just I got a message, I'm gonna, you know, but there's something to be learned actually from others. You know what I mean? Like that <laughs> radical, that radical fact, <laughs> you know, you know, whether karmis or whatever you want, you know, like there's something to be learned everywhere really, you know, you know, we can always grow from these encounters. To make ourselves um, deeper. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Love it. That's easy to, to thank you very much. I have to say that I really feel that, um, Coming on here is like, I know, there's nothing really more to achieve in life other than maybe Krishna Prem, Guru Bhakti, my brother, my brother. Yeah, yeah, I got my PhD. I got my PhD, uh, you know, a few weeks ago. My brother was like, oh, well done. He heard I was on the Namaras podcast. He wrote to, oh my God, wow, is <laughs> on the Namaras podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's funny. That's hilarious. Well, well thank you, Lalita Madhavrui. If someone wants to get in touch with you, um, you uh, you said that could they get on facebook yeah yeah so my name my my my, my legal yeah, exactly yeah, yeah yeah put it up there okay. briefly and then bam. <laughs> yes yeah. well, if you if you want to get in touch with them, you could get in touch with them on facebook uh again thank you for listening and thank you for joining me that was a very fascinating discussion of active no talker if you have any suggestions uh please send them to, to me uh, and and please follow my facebook page and share this podcast i'm on youtube facebook spotify google apple everywhere you can find podcasts that's the late morning program uh, again, thank you, Lee Tomato Brew. Stay on. I'm going to turn off the live. Very <laughs> <laughs> <Okay, bowl. laughs>